All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for what you're about to do in this place. God, we, we give you glory and praise and honor for who you are. King of kings and Lord of lords, Father, we thank you today that you're in this place with us. And God, as we worship you and praise you now from your word, Father, that you might change us in this moment. As we leave here, we would understand who you are in just a little bit better way. And God, we praise you for that. Thank you for all things, Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Great privilege to be here again to today with you guys. We, we had questions if we were going to make it or not. We got about um, five miles, six miles outside of Jayton and got behind those trucks with the, with the uh, wind turbines on them. You know the deal. Took us a little while. But we got here. We made it. So we praise the Lord for that. It's great this morning. My brother Danny is here, and, and he brought with him Steve Cochran. Now, Steve, it's been a long time since we've seen Danny said he might bring somebody with him. I never dreamed. I wouldn't have guessed that in a long time. So good to see you guys here this morning. If you would take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 20. We're going to be looking at verses 19 and following today. John chapter 20. Now, two weeks ago, we, we started looking at the resurrection, and, and Jesus... Uh, on that resurrection day, there was a group of women that were going to go to anoint the, uh, the body of Jesus, and guess what? He wasn't there. And so uh, they were amazed by that, and he appeared to them. Disciples went, didn't appear to the disciples, interestingly enough, just those ladies. But he appeared to those ladies, and then in a separate incident, he appeared to Mary Magdalene uh, on that day. And then we last week we looked at that, there was these two disciples, not one of the part of the twelve, but these followers of Jesus that they were going on the road to Emmaus, about seven miles uh, to the west of Jerusalem. And as they were walking on the road, Jesus joined them. They didn't know it was Jesus, but he joined them and, and went all the way to Emmaus with them, walked those seven miles with them, and they were invited him in to eat. And as they were just about to eat, he broke bread, and suddenly they realized this was Jesus and he was gone. Wow. Now those guys turned back around, and walked the seven miles back to Jerusalem. That's a pretty good day's walk right there. Turned around, walked back to Jerusalem, and that's where we pick up this today. If, if you read through Scripture, there was 40 days from the time that Jesus resurrected to the time that he ascended into heaven. In those 40 days, Jesus showed himself over and over again. And so that's what we're looking at today. It says this in John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of the first day, this was the same day that Jesus was resurrected of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in amongst them. And he said to them, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them, and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive their sins, they are not forgiven. I want to talk about this for just a moment. If you go back to the book of Luke and look at that, that same uh, passage that, that's happening there, it said they were scared to death. I can believe that. For one thing, the Jews were, were out to get them. So they were, they were afraid. And, and then Jesus just appears in the middle of them. Wow! That's an exciting time. I would have been just like them. I would have been scared to death. And yet we think about that. Why were they scared? Sheila talked about that a little bit this morning with, with these kiddos. 
Well, why were they scared? They had seen Jesus resurrect Lazarus from the dead. They had seen him feed 5,000. They had seen Jesus walk on water. They had seen Jesus do every one of these miracles. And he had said to them, don't be afraid. In fact, if you go over to the 14th chapter of the book of John, you find that Jesus says to them, I'm going to be leaving you, but I'm going to send with you a counselor, one to walk beside you. The word that's used in the Greek is the word paraclete. It means one that walks beside you, stays with you every moment of the day. I'm going to send one of those, so don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. But yet, they were afraid. Now, why was that? Because they were people. One of the things that we seem to forget along the way someplace is the disciples were just people. We don't know how many disciples, by the way, were up in this upper room. There could have been as many as 120 there. We, we don't know about just the apostles, just the 12 or just the 10 that were there then. Could have been a room full. But they were people, just like us. We talked about this morning in Sunday school, people haven't changed and they haven't. We're all subject to being afraid of everything. We're afraid all the time, but I would say to you what you do next is really important. What do you do with that fear? I don't remember if it was in a movie or, or uh, a famous saying from some guy one time, but he said, those who, who aren't afraid that go to war are either fools or they're lying. And that's truth. So here's these, these Jews that were, that, were the, that were surrounding this place, looking for them, hunting them down, and you've got these apostles in this upper room. They had every right to be afraid. War was at hand. It was time. It's one of those places. But yet, Jesus showed up in the middle of them. I, I want to say to you, Jesus does the same thing in our life. I wonder what you're afraid of today. I, I find myself afraid of all kinds of things. I'm afraid driving down here I'm going to hit a deer. I'm afraid if I stay in this, in this house in, in uh, Lubbock, I'm going to blow away probably. Man, one more good 60, 90 mile an hour windstorm from the south and from the north, and how is that, that house going to stand that? We're afraid of all kinds of things all the time, aren't we? But I would say to you, what you do with that fear makes a difference. If you take that fear and realize that God is in control of all things, every moment of every day, I'm afraid it's never going to rain again in Lubbock, Texas. It just seems like that at this moment. I know you guys are here too. We've got, at my house, I look back and recorded an inch of rain in October. That's it. That's the last one we got. They keep saying, oh, you got this chance of rain. Well, I'm looking at, if we got an 80% chance, that means we got a 20% chance of rain and 80% that it's not. You got these chances of rain. But then you stop and realize that's all in God's hands. He knows exactly when it's going to rain and when it's not going to rain. He knows when you're going to have a great crop and when you're not. He knows everything that's going in your life. He, he knows that when you go to the doctor, what that doctor's going to say. He knows when, when uh, you have problems at work. He knows about that. Everything that goes on in your life every single day, and he's got it in control. One of our problems and one of the reasons we fear is that we're created in the image of the living God. Have you thought about that? I like to be in control of all things at all times. I really do. 
I don't like surprises. And yet, we're made like that because God is in control of all things. We're created in His perfect image. And so we're afraid. Sometimes we do some bad things with that fear, by the way. We, we turn to our friends and say, oh, I'm afraid, can you help me? We turn to our family, oh, I'm afraid, can you help me? And those are not bad places to go. But the one true place that we can go that always, always brings an end to the fear is to Jesus. I read a story, I'm on this uh, website called Voice of the Martyrs several years ago. I read a story about a pastor in, in Africa. And uh, these uh, rebels had come in and, and they had surrounded the church and they had locked all the doors of the church and they poured gasoline all over the church and they took the pastor outside, poured gasoline all over him and they tried to light him and he couldn't light. It would not light. It would not light. They just kept throwing matches at him and it would not light. would not light. So finally they took off. They ran off. They realized they couldn't burn this pastor up. And I, I, that interested me so I... I started looking at interviews with that pastor. And he said, yes, I was scared to death. It was true. You know, they, were, they had gasoline on me. They were going to burn me up. But then the peace of God fell over me. And I knew it was going to be okay. Now, it doesn't always turn out that way, by the way. But he knew that the peace of God had calmed his whole soul. And so it's interesting. This second word that I want to look at in this passage of Scripture is this word peace. Jesus says to them, as he comes in, peace be with you. Over in the 14th chapter of the book of John, I think it's verse 27, he says, this peace I give you, not like the world gives, but I give you my peace. It's a total different surrounding when Jesus shows up. There's peace that passes all understanding, the Bible says. I, I, I laugh all the time because I, I was in the army from 1981 through 1987, and, and these young historians say, oh, you were serving in a time of peace. Well, I want to promise you something. Since Cain killed Abel, there hadn't been peace in the world. So we can always pick up a stick or a rock or somebody, something, and kill somebody with it. That's just the way it is. There is no peace in the world. And if we think that peace is going to mean that the absence of war, there's never been a time in the United States of America when our troops hadn't been at war with somebody, somewhere. Uh, you may not feel that way unless you're out there in the woods uh, hunting somebody down. But the truth is, God brings us a different peace. A peace that comes from the inside out. When Jesus steps into your life, when, when you allow Him to step into that situation, whatever it is, whatever fear is going on in your life, when you allow Jesus to step into it, there's a peace that passes all understanding. It's a calmness in your very deepest soul of who you are. Your circumstances probably hadn't changed. Theirs didn't. Their circumstances were still the same. They were still in, the, in this upper room. They were still being pursued by the Jews. They were still had all of these things going on. But Jesus stepped in. And with him, all things are possible. Can you imagine that we serve a God who is all-powerful? If you go back to that 14th chapter of the, of the book of John, he says to them, you see me do great things. He's saying to his, to his apostles, you see me do great things, but greater things you'll do because I go on your behalf to the Father. I'm giving you all authority. And that's what he's saying here in this passage of Scripture when he's talking about if you forgive someone their sins are forgiven, if you don't forgive, he's not talking about giving them power to, to, to forgive or not forgive sins. He's saying to them, 
I'm giving you my power that as you go out, people's sins can be forgiven. The greatest thing that happens in our lives is that we get separated from God. This little word called sin. We do wrong things. The Bible says we can't help it, and we can't. But yet Jesus came and died on a cross and was raised on that third day to take away those sins. Wow, what a great privilege we have. The third thing that I want you to see here, and it's especially in the Baptist church, in these 50 years or so that I've been, been uh, really a part of it, is the word he says in chapter 20, verse 22. He says, the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a great theological debate. And I've been in a few of those theological debates. When did the Holy Spirit come? I would say to you that the Holy Spirit came back in Genesis 1-1. That's when the Holy Spirit came. Holy Spirit has always been there. He's never been different. He's always been the same. But as far as the church goes and in this new era, this new testament that Jesus is bringing in, this new covenant of Jesus, this is probably the first time that it says he breathed on them. It's a beautiful word because in the Greek, the word pneumatos means breath of God. The holy breath of God. That's what the Holy Spirit is. The breath of God. Wow. Wow. There are times when he envelops you and keeps you and you know that he's there. And there's times when you go through life and you think, wow, is he, I still got the spirit inside of me? Yes. He never leaves you. He's God. Never leaves you, never forsakes you. But he's there for some very specific things. If you would take your Bibles with me and turn back to the 14th chapter. I keep going back there, but it's a great chapter in God's Word. The 14th chapter of the book of John. In the 15th verse. If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you the counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you he lives with you and will be inside of you. The Greek word says into you. It means into the deepest part of you the Holy Spirit lives. And he's there to do so many things for us. It goes on to say in the 26th verse, But the counselor of the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you peace I leave with you and my peace I give to you have you allowed that to happen back in many years ago now when I was a younger preacher I had trouble understanding the songs I don't know what it was I just got bogged down it's you know I, I love music and and this is the hymnal of the of of the Jewish people and I, I just I was just having trouble with it and an old preacher said to me, have you ever asked the Holy Spirit to teach you? I had never thought of that before. I thought I just opened up my mind and boy, it's going to be good. I was going to go to school or go to read this book or read that book and come to find out that God had made a way to teach me all things 
already. So I asked. And now the Psalms is probably my favorite book in the Bible. He'll teach you all things. I can remember going to work at the, at the housing authority. I dislike plumbing. I used to say hate, but that's a strong word. I dislike plumbing greatly. So I go to the housing authority, and that was all an act of God, too. The lady called me up on a Friday and said, hey, my maintenance supervisor quit. We've been praying, and you're supposed to be the guy. I said, when do I start? Monday morning. Yes, ma'am. So what are you going to say to that? So God sent me to the, to the housing authority, and it's about 75% plumbing. Woo! You know, all I could do was follow my face before God. Say, God, I have no idea. Well, I had a little bit of idea, but I had no idea what I'm doing. You're going to have to show me and guide me and direct to me. And he did every single day, but I knew it was his presence. I knew it was Holy Spirit giving me whatever I needed for that day, for that moment, for that job. And he provided it for me. So much so that after about a year and a half there, I hired a guy and I made sure he was a plumber. That was the, my assistant. Made sure he was a plumber. And every single job I had been on, he went in and went, hey, what plumber did you get to do this? And I said, well, I'm it. He said, well, you know you did it just by code, just the way it's supposed to be. I had no idea. I had no idea. God can provide all things for you. The Holy Spirit is there to teach you all things. If you go over to the book of Romans chapter 8, it's a passage of scripture we love, but it says that even when we don't know what to pray, even when we're at that point, that we have no idea what to do except cry out to God. The Holy Spirit takes those words and takes them up to Him and lays them before the holy throne of God in the right order. Wow. What a gift that God has given these guys. What a gift God has given us. We look back after 2,000 years, we should be able to look back and have a little bit better perspective, but we look back on the Bible and realize all of the enormity of what God has done in these guys' life and all of the enormity of what He can do. And even that, I can't fathom. I don't know about you, I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about heaven and I think I've spent a lot of time thinking about hell. I can't imagine either one of those polar opposites. But I can't imagine what heaven's going to be like. It's too unbelievable for me. Even though I know it's true. Even though I know it's real. And it's really a place that God has prepared for me. I can't imagine. Sometimes I get bogged down with today though. Sometimes I get bogged down in fear and, and, and worry about what's going on in this moment. I, I get bogged down in today and I forget about heaven. Paul says in that same book of Romans chapter 8, I'm convinced that the present sufferings of this world are nothing compared to the glories of heaven. Wow. It's all about perspective. In those times, we need to realize that God has not left us. We, we, we're going to that place called heaven. That's great. We need to set our sights and our eyes on that. I hunger for that day when I see him face to face. But today, today is the day that I need to realize that God is in control of my life today. The Bible says in, in 1 John 4, 8, that perfect love casts out fear. Woo! When you allow God to be God in your life, when you allow Jesus to take over your very heart, your very innermost being, 
the fear goes away. What was I worried about? I laugh at, at people that say, well, it's going to work out anyway. I don't feel that way, by the way. I think it's not going to work out unless my hand's in it. I, it's not going to work out unless I do something. But the truth is, the, the first thing I've got to do is rely on God. I've got to put all of my faith and trust in Him. The Holy Spirit is there for you right this very moment. Would you give it to Him? I wonder what you fear today. No rain? Pain? Something going on with your body? Whatever that is in this moment, would you turn that over to Jesus? And here's what I mean by that. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, if, if you've accepted Him and, and you believe with all of your heart that Jesus not only is the Son of God, but a God raised Him from the dead, the Bible says you'll be saved. But to walk daily with Him means that today, this very moment, you need to say to God, God, I can't handle this. In this moment, I need you. And that needs to be a moment-by-moment -moment realization in our life. I'm going to promise you I'm not there yet, but I want to be. Today, would you turn that over to Jesus? Would you let Him be the guide and direction for your life? Would you allow Him and realize that if you put your, your very life, your very soul in His hands, He's going to do the best thing for you? Would you believe that today? Would you allow Him to do that today? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in this place right now. I thank you, Father, that your spirit is moving. I thank you, Father, that right now we can rely on you with everything that we have, all of our being, Father. And I give you praise for that. What a good God you are. What an awesome God you are, Father. That even in our darkest times, even when fear envelops us, even... When we're paralyzed by it, it would seem, Father, you're there. God, help us to rely on you for all that we are and all that we need. And we'll give you the praise and glory for that, Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. It's an opportunity for you. It's an opportunity for you in this moment to allow God to to guide and direct your life. Would you do that? Oh.
Amen. A couple of things. First of all, Sheila and I want to join up with you. I don't know exactly what that means in this church. Y'all going to have to help me out. But, uh, but they asked me last week, would I, would I come as pastor of the church? And that's a resounding yes in my mind and heart. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about this new uh, adventure and this new mission that God has given me. So we're excited about that. At the back, there are some cards on that little podium back at the back that's got Sheila and Mai's name and number on there and address. So please take one of those, but I need you to do something for me. If you text, please text me and say this is, don't just text me a number because that's a bad thing I found. <laughs> please text and give me your name because I need your name. Only, the only people I've got to wart right now are John Ray and Bill, and they're really tired of it. They're tired of me calling and, and giving them a hard time. So please, please text me, get me your, get me your name. And, uh, and I'll, we'll get in contact and we'll get to know one another. It's, a, it's an important thing. Any other word before we go? I'd like to us, for us this morning, Dana's going to be having uh, surgery on Friday. If we could, just gather around her a minute and pray over her. Could we do that? Y'all ready? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you're the great physician. God, we thank you that we can rely on you with all of our soul, with every ounce of our being, Father. And I thank you for what you're going to do in Dana's life this week. And God, I just pray for healing for her. I pray for her and Gary and, and God, the whole family, that God, you would just guide them and direct them, guide the doctor's hands. God, we know that you're in control of all things. And so, Father, we leave that um, in your capable hands. Father, I pray for their minds and their hearts, that God, they would know that, that you're in control and your peace that passes all understanding would guard their hearts in this time. And God, we give you praise for all things as we leave this place now, Father. Move us. Use us, Father, to share with others who you are. And God, we'll give you praise for all things. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. You're dismissed. How are you? I'm good. Listen, thank you, Steve. I'll, I'll your card back there.